1: hey y'all this is randy from the black millennial marriage podcast it is wednesday and it is my turn to do my indie episode as you all know we are dropping two episodes a week once on sunday together and then once on wednesday individually and this wednesday is my go so this is episode bmm Indie number 64 girlfriends and things and i'll get more into why there's a there's that extra additive of the things But anyway, I would like to thank everyone for their kind feedback about our indie episodes. They've grown to mean a lot to us. And we're just happy they're being received so well because we've we've really been enjoying them, um, enjoying recording them. It's been, I don't know, we've only done a few, but they've been been good for us. And so we're happy that they're good to y'all as well. Uh, So please continue to share them and rate us five stars only please if you really, really love us and if you are not sure if you do do it for drew rate us five stars only for drew all right so i'm gonna get into this episode and i hope you enjoy yeah i'm sweating yeah in 2010 thought i was doing something and now I'm rapping with a crew or something. I guess the track don't really stick unless he's blowing something. And I never fit the shoe until I do something, yo. Bracing myself like teeth, boy, it's the same old route on some new concrete. But homie, these tunes make you get a new ID. I'm trying to do my thing, but the commute ain't cheap. I'm on a two-day week for all this rap these days. And we can still pitch the track to all the wacky DJs. We're singing happy days, wearing tacky J's. And I'm just pumped that I made it out my nappy phase. Let's go. We can turn the whole world around. I'm in the back seat I'm back. Y'all, I'm going to do a better job of pacing myself. <laughs> This time around, and it is for our first segment. What had happened was, and so, basically, I was going to do an episode about girlfriends, and just girlfriends, but then when creating the notes for this episode, my mind spiraled. Uh, life was happening. Life is happening. Revelations were had, and I don't mean to be so vague, but ultimately, trying to plan out this girlfriends episode got me thinking about a lot of things. So, when planning this girlfriend's episode, I was thinking about how to start. Uh Should I start with bad girlfriend experience, how college taught me to be a better friend and other things. But then I got to thinking about why I've had the run I've had with girlfriends. And it became clear to me that I was trying to fill a void that was missing in my relationship with my sister. My sister and I are 10 months apart and have always been on again, off again, close. Um, like in our core, we're close and we're protective of each other when it concerns dealing with other people. <laughs> but when it concerns ourselves, we have not always been good to one another. And, uh, for this, I mainly blame shared trauma, <laughs> uh, which is not funny, but we both experienced our father together. Um, and so again, while our childhood wasn't always awful, right? There are some really great memories and things that I want to do with Drew, um, because of that childhood, but those episodes of drunkenness and just bad behavior really impacted us. Uh, we also experienced something else together that I won't Say here, um because I'm like I said, I'm always learning that full disclosure is not vulnerability, it's also solely not my story to tell, and because the people who know uh deserve to know, but basically, we experienced this trauma together, this other trauma together as very young kids, and promptly after it happened, I told, and then I took it back um when I realized it wasn't being handled in the way I thought it would as a child. I took it back to keep the peace. And after I took it back, I literally buried the experience so deep within myself that I forgot Um, for years for years. I forgot like it literally, like I just went on about life. Um It wasn't until I was in middle school that I remembered Uh the triggers are real y'all something triggered it and I remembered it and it brought back the memory and when it brought back the memory I went to her I went to my sister um, to see if I was crazy I was like am I crazy and she was like oh you know I never forgot I just thought we weren't talking about it so imagine that right two people experiencing the same trauma one person has forgotten uh, one person has remembered but isn't talking about it with the person that has forgotten and like I couldn't imagine sitting with something that I never forgot and never talking about it or feeling comfortable talking about it or feeling safe talking about it with the person that that it happened with um so yeah like growing up in the same household one person with this memory the other person without it all because of this trauma and so basically I believe in my core that those two conflicting things that happened growing up with our dad being at the peak of his addiction to alcohol and other things and that trauma affected slash affects our relationship among other things um (laughs) she didn't think i was so great as a big sister and only being 10 months older than her i probably wasn't as a kid i I probably was awful Um, we also grew up in a family that compared us a lot to each other and inadvertently put us against the other and after a while you know uh, you internalize all of that and so basically it dawned on me as i was planning out this episode about girlfriends that I I sought out these other relationships with women because I was missing it with my sister in the way that I wanted to have it so I've so I've had girlfriends um I won't say I've always been a part of a clique because I don't think I don't think so but I've always been somebody that someone else will go oh that so-and-so's friend or like oh they like hang out together like it's always been clear who I who I hang out with but Anyway, as, as I was experiencing this stream of consciousness, consciousness while planning the girlfriend's episode, I realized that I have a nasty bad habit of coping in an unhealthy way. I had all these girlfriends growing up and they weren't the best experience until I was in college. And that's because I couldn't cope with my lacking relationship with my sister. And I didn't know how to fix it. I wasn't brave enough to be vulnerable and say that I was hurting and feeling like something was missing. And so I sought it out with other people. And because of that, I feel to blame for how awful a lot of my friendships were growing up. I understand that part of it though is growing pains you know obviously I can't know everything I had to learn myself I'm still learning myself and I understand that everybody has at least like that one bad friend experience that they learn from but I also understand now that the other part of it is, is that I honestly never believe until this year that I deserved any better I understand now um that when I was younger, I felt so bad. Miss Maya Angelou has this quote about feeling as low as dirt at one point in her life and wanting to be the spot on the carpet because that's how low she felt. And that's how I felt y'all. Um, everything that I had gone through, it just everything. And I felt, I felt this way for years. And I see now that because I believed I wasn't worth a good friendship, wasn't worth a good sistership, was a, I, that I, that I wasn't worth not being molested or I wasn't worth anything. I let people treat me how they wanted, including girls that I, that I was friends with. I would always rather say, Oh, this person must know something about me that I don't they must know that deep down I'm bad They must know that i'm weak and that i'm always afraid and that I don't have any courage And so this is why they treat me this way. This is why I was touched This is why I was dogged And i'd rather say that than say this person is just working their shit out on me This person is broken. This person is hurt hurt people hurt people. This person is jealous. Um, And, you know, this person is, you know, and I'm just unlucky and I was just in this line of fire and I don't deserve it. And I'd rather say the other part, like I said, um, I'd rather not acknowledge that that these people have some wrongdoing and what they and what they did and how they lived. Because putting the blame on me by saying, oh, this person knows something about me that I don't know. So that's why I get treated dot, dot, dot was way easier than admitting that I was hurting and that I was sad. And so instead I just turned it inward and I know that a lot of us do that in other ways, but for me, that's how I did it. I turned it inward and, um, that's how I coped. And essentially when it concerns girlfriends, I normalize messiness and frenemies and all that toxic shit. Um, (laughs) because I didn't think I deserved any better. I didn't think I could do any better than what I, than what I had done because I, I couldn't do it in my relationship with my sister. So why would I, why, why could I do it any better? Or why would I, how could I do it any better with these other girls? Um, yeah. And so it wasn't until college when I learned that this shit is whack, <laughs> It was in college where I learned that you can call every girl beautiful and mean it and not be jealous or be jealous, but like resist being a dick and actually look inside yourself and see where that jealousy is coming from and then get therapy and then maybe go talk to that girl. Because y'all, what I found was that a lot of the girls that I, you know, idolized or really looked up to or really liked, we all the same. Like <laughs> there are some that are trash and we should stay away from them. But There are others that are just really good people. Um, they're trying to do better they're trying to love themselves too they working with their own jealousy too and their own relationships and they end up being your friends for life you know but um anyway i learned that you could also clap for someone and give them their flowers and still love yourself and it doesn't dim your light like there can be 50 million queens in one room like that's completely okay um i learned that you can tell someone a secret and they don't throw it back in your face or hold it over your head in like this emotionally manipulative abusive way um There are many instances in college that grew me up in terms of my friendships with women. There's one particular instance when it dawned on me that the life I had been living with female friends before college was not the best one. Um, I had just moved into this house. It was Women of Images. I was in this organization. Mikey lovingly refers to it as a gang. It was not a gang. (laughs) He's just a hater. But anyway, I moved into this house after living in a dorm, a triple with two other white girls so I was in a triple I was the only black girl and y'all it was such a bad 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 experience and it's what I get I really wanted this dorm experience I actually got an email right before I t- I attended the school and got on campus to live in this house and I was like no you know I want to live in the dorm because I'm you know I was a first generation college student I wanted to live in a dorm I watched a lot of tv I seen sister sister I wanted to be in the dorm that dorm fucked my life up. <laughs> so I promptly moved out in October of my freshman year. And I moved into the house. And I was going around trying to get out of my shell and speak to people. And and this one person who is Drew's godmother, and her name is Carmen, Um, she was in her room. And she also had this dude in her room, which was not like... You know, y'all in college. We gonna have dudes in our room. Mikey live with me, okay? Um, uh, well, at least when he visited, <laughs> he always stayed in my room. But so it wasn't shocking to see this dude in her room. But um, I'd open her door. You know, I had knocked, and she had you know let me come in. And he saw me, and he whispers really loudly. Damn that girl, black. <laughs> And y'all thank God that one of the things that I had worked out way before I started college and got high school to middle school was that I was dark skin. You know, I got my daddy's complexion. My mom was very light. Carmen's very light. Um, and that, but thank God that wasn't one of the things I was battling with. Um, I had battled with it before as a young kid, but by this point I was fine. I was more like, I was, it, it did sting only because I, this nigga was in my year. And now that, Looking back, I mean, he always had a preference for light-skinned girls. He had this fetish, y'all. It was insane. He was cool, you know, if you could say that. But, you know, once we got to know each other outside of this situation. But he had his issues, his colorism issues. That I pray he worked out because his mama is very black. And it's just it's just sad. But anyway, he sees me and he whispers this about like, damn, that girl black or something, something like that. And y'all, I was also, I had just started my locks. It's only been a few months. I don't even think my hair was really locked yet. I cut off all my perm. And so I was like, (sighs) I was not who I am now. (laughs) I didn't have no hair and I was really black. And by this point in my relationship with women, I was used to being in a situation where the girl would laugh back or act like she didn't hear or agree. But Carmen kicked that nigga out. (laughs) She kicked him out her bed and out her room. She was like, you're mean, goodbye. And it really blew my mind because now that I think about it, I don't think he was ever invited back. Actually, I've never actually seen him back in the house, back in her room in the four years I lived there. But she also didn't know me, y'all. She didn't know me then to, to love me or to stand up for me. She didn't have to do that. But just that instance showed me that Healthy relationships with women can exist and it doesn't require putting up with bullshit from the dudes they deal with or putting up with women suddenly going deaf when dudes or their other friends are rude. So again, this was my stream of consciousness when thinking about this episode and it just pushed me further into thinking about how ultimately I've been complicit in a lot of my pain. And again, simply because I didn't think I deserved any better from anyone. But now as a wife, And as an older woman and as a mom to a girl, I just see so much clearer. And honestly, y'all, I I think I'm grieving. I think I've actually been in this state of mourning, thinking about every instance in my life where I could have been braver or where I could have realized that I didn't deserve to be treated how I was being treated and how all those instances of putting up with that and just thinking so badly about myself have ultimately led me right here. Traditionally unemployed, living in my mother-in-law's house with a dog, my husband, and my baby. I think I'm ashamed, <laughs> but I really think I'm just sad because I wonder who I could have been had I seen my light sooner, you know? Um, And it just... It, and because I actually never grieved anything for real as a child, which is why, you know, I've talked about this before, but I spent that year in therapy when I was pregnant processing uh the shared trauma that me and my sister had. And it took a year, you know, <laughs> it took my whole pregnancy to do. And I never, cause I never processed it. I talked about it and I had taken it back and I told so-and-so and I had taken it back and I told so-and-so and I let them remember. But I never actually like, went through the the emotions and never was sad I never was angry I never was like I just never and so I think that I'm in that stage of of like the grieving process of like basically just processing all of it um because like I said I wonder who I could have been had I had I just had I known who I was you know and that I was worthy but I also understand that I can't change the past it's pointless to labor in that way um uh, because you know I just told my mom this cuz she needed a pep talk but you know the present is the only thing that exists y'all like we I'm a big future planner I fortune tell I mind read these are all distortions right <laughs> this is why I'm in therapy because these these things do not exist you they aren't real and we I spend a lot of time in the future and in the past and the past doesn't exist anymore. The present is the only thing that exists. And so right now I'm just actively trying to accept myself in the midst of this grief in this mourning that I'm doing. And I'm trying to I'm doing my best to <sighs> sit in it, to feel it. And so that I can for real let it go this time, you know, so that 27 years from now, I'm not having the same talk on this this microphone. Um, but Yeah, I'm actually just trying to accept myself for myself and for my relationships with people, but especially but especially with Mikey and Drew. You know, I have a really great mom. We're really close. And I want Drew and I to be close. I want to earn her allegiance. I want to be better for her. So when she's down bad, I have something for my from my cup to pour for her, you know. I don't want to project my shit on her cuz I grew up around a lot of adults that projected a lot of their pain and their insecurity and their fear on me. Uh maybe not always on purpose, but they did it and it was harmful. And I don't I don't ever want to be harmful to my daughter, especially in the ways that I know that I can combat or fix or get in therapy for. And you know, y'all, she's just she's so f- fascinating y'all have seen her on Instagram like and that's just like what we post but like she's so fascinating and she's so observant and she's so intuitive to people's feelings like she's such a Pisces (laughs) in that way she's just she's just really alert and it just makes me want to do better because she's watching you know and I want to be something worthy to watch and I want to empower her and you know, open myself up for all the things she's going to teach me too. So, um, I have a list of things that I am accepting about myself. And it's really just two things that have been going through my mind as I planned out this episode. And so the first thing on my list is that I, that I'm going to accept about myself is likability has ruined my life and I'm over it. Again, likability has ruined my life and I'm over it. Um, so a side effect of taking on a side effect of taking on other people's shit and not knowing what I deserve has been this ploy to constantly please. The logic is if I please people, then they won't be mean. If I'm likable, then people will leave me alone. <laughs> but it's a sham. And um, as I spend time with Drew, who literally loves me for me, like y'all, she's been in my uterus. She's heard everything. There is no getting away from this girl when I was pregnant. There's no getting away from her now. And to see that she loves me for me, I see clearer now. And I know now that I would rather people actually know me and then decide if they like me than to just like me because I'm spending so much time trying to be liked. You know, it's much less work <laughs> to to let people get to know you than mind reading. Or it's much less work I'm finding to let people get to know me than to mind read and try to figure out what are people thinking about me? What are they saying? What are they it. It's fucking crazy. And I'm tired. And <laughs> I literally don't have the time to obsess because I got my own family now, y'all. I gotta get my shit together. And I keep getting the short end of these sticks um for trying to be likable and I'm over that shit too. I'm just I'm done. And I accept it that I'm done. The second thing that I accept is the Black Millennial Marriage Podcast is my favorite marriage podcast. (laughs) Now, some of y'all may be like, why wouldn't your podcast be your favorite or something like that? But because of everything I've stated before, it's clear to me now that I never learned a balance between humility and confidence. Um, Because I spent so much of my life turning people's bad behavior onto myself, I never learned how to be confident about something I've done because it just wasn't safe. Um, Whenever I was feeling good about myself or safe or secure, something would happen to blow my shit up as an example uh one day i was sitting in my high school at the breakfast table i don't know if y'all had that but like right before class starts 30 40 minutes before class starts or whenever you show up before class starts you all congregate in the cafeteria and i just so happened to be there by myself i can't i don't remember anyone else being around me um And I can be by myself, y'all. I can just chill. And I was just sitting there. I was just sitting there minding my business. I think I was reading a book. I don't even know. And this former friend walked in y'all she was awful but (laughs) she walked in like out of the blue like she just speed walks over to my table and lifts up the size of my hair um this is before i went natural but basically she lifted up the size of my hair and exposed the breakage that i had from a perm so my hair was long enough to like cover the section so my hair fell to my neck like in like in a cute little bob um I think at this point we were curling our own hair, but, but if you knew that that section was there, like right above my ear, there was no hair. It was just like little, like a kitchen, but like on the sides of my head. And no matter what I did, I couldn't make it grow back when I had a perm. It wasn't until I went natural that my hair grew back in full and grew longer. But anyway, um she, I didn't even know if I told her it was there. And I don't think I actually ever did because I knew her ass couldn't be trusted. But if you if you know hair and you you know your friends, you can know something's a little off and like maybe she could see that there was something missing. I knew that there was something missing, but I knew my hair was hiding it anyway. She like lips it and then she like, I don't even know. She makes like a quip. She like laughs or something or like, why are you not telling the truth about your hair? I can't remember what the fuck she said, y'all, but it was fucked up. And <laughs> she like walks off and I, it shamed me. And that's what she was trying to do. And I and with this particular person, I was also always in this constant like shame fight. I don't even know. I, it wasn't much. I, I shamed her on not to my knowledge. I wasn't I wasn't ever that friend. I was just a friend that you could do shit like that too um but my mom used to always say randy you know i like her just not for you randy she's jealous I ain't what the fuck for i'm so broken i ain't get it but she managed to shame me um because i was already ashamed and i was embarrassed and i couldn't understand why the fuck it happened it was so random and she just walked off y'all like it was weird And so because of experiences like that, um, I stayed on guard. And for me, staying on guard was never getting too comfortable with myself, not liking myself enough to be shamed or embarrassed like I was in that moment. And it has trickled over into my adult life and into my podcast. And I've always been hesitant to say that we are the best one. (laughs) I figured it'll mess up I feared it would mess up my karma or whatever. But y'all we are. You know, we didn't start with a large following. We just two kids who has some crazy ass childhoods, who got some crazy ass stories that really likes each other, really love each other. We work really, 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 really hard to be able to talk to each other the way we do. And I'm proud of how we translate on the mic. I find that we're really personable, even when I'm editing. I catch myself getting distracted like i will I will continue listening to our episode and like forget to like write down the highlight reel and a place to do a snippet because I'm so in en- and like engrossed in us, and I know that that is the case for a lot of people because we're fucking good. <laughs> we are good together, and um this is definitely our niche. this is definitely something that 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 was that was fated to be in our marriage and you know I'm accepting that we are the best one now there are other marriage podcasts that I listen to and there are others that I like but we are the best one we are my favorite one and you know everybody who don't know yet is just sleep and when y'all wake up we will be here for you to listen to okay so segment two Q&A um. So we, I have, I have four questions that I'm going to answer. We got some in an email recently. Mikey uh, had people send some on Instagram, and then we had Patreon send us a whole bunch. And so my four questions are a combination of the emails and Patreon. So this first question is from Jessica, who sent a very nice email about loving the Indies. Thank you. She says, Randy, who's your favorite character on Pose? Follow up. Team Blanca or Team Electra. Both is not an answer. Girl, are we fa- are we Instagram friends? Because <laughs> I love Pose, y'all. It is such a good um show. Pose. P-O-S-E. Mikey says I'm too country. I say it like Pose, like P-O-L-L-S, or anyway, I mean Pose. P-O-S-E. But I love that show. It is a beautiful, beautiful show. It is, it is just, uh, y'all. And Ryan Murphy is one of my favorite, like, directors, producers, because I love American Horror Story. Anyway, to your question, who's my favorite character? Ooh, that one's really, really hard, because I love every last single one of them. Even a let your own bean ass. But if I really had to choose. Yeah, I love, they're such a great cast. How can you pick? Okay, I really love Billy Porter as Pray Tell, and MJ Rodriguez as Blanca. And I know you said just pick one, but those two. And I love their scenes together, especially when they beefing. It, I mean, it's just chemistry. I just love it. And I am definitely, absolutely team Blanca. Electra need to get her shit together. You know, she, in her heart, she's good, but she's just so bruised and broken. And she just <sighs> such a diva, but Blanca is so inspirational. And when I'm listening to her give them pep talks, I'm always feeling like I can do whatever I want and I can go for my dreams and. She's a great character and I, I love how she literally doesn't even look the same as she did in the first episode of the first season when they're stealing stuff with Electra to walk the, the, um, ballroom. And like she, she's like grown into the mother. I just love her. She's so cool. I love Blanca. Okay. Next question. Randy, how do you think people perceive you differently before you were a wife and before you were a mom versus after you became those things? This is also from Jessica. Um, how do I think people perceive me differently? Hmm. You know, <laughs> I'm probably not the best person to ask this because my thinking has always been so distorted about what people think about me. I think I'm perceived as a good wife and as a good mom and i say that because when whenever i used to make facebook statuses about mikey and i still do but like for his birthday and stuff he'd always get this feedback from other men like oh you have a great wife or oh you know men who grew up with us so like men who are mentors or or men who are his mentors and or friends guy friends it's just like oh you know randy randy's so nice to you <laughs> people are all and that's that's a little sad you know um that that there are other husbands out here feeling like their wives aren't nice but but i, I think i'm perceived as a good wife um and as a good mom because i really loved you and i i didn't realize until i got older that there are a lot of women out there who don't want daughters they want sons and it wasn't that I was the opposite. I was always afraid to have a boy. I when I was pregnant, I actually started the therapy of my processing my trauma because I was like, I can't obviously know if I'm going to have a boy or girl until it's time to know, until they can tell me. And I was afraid I would project a lot of my trauma on him because I was afraid of like, what if I birth a perpetrator? What if I birth someone who molests people? You know, how do I? Like I was just scared, y'all. And it and we turned out having a girl. And that just scared me even more. <laughs> but I've always wanted to to have a daughter, um, and a son in that order. But I, I really like my daughter. And I, I hope that it's perceived that I really like her and not just for the gram or for Facebook, but I really like her. And I've never been one of those moms that never wanted a daughter. I wanted a girl and I wanted, I just wanted, I just wanted a girl. And, um, so versus how, how and, um, what is the question? Versus, how am I perceived versus, like, after I became those things? So, before I was a wife and a mom, I think I was perceived as very do-goody. People are really surprised to know that I give head, that I swallow. <laughs> People are surprised to know that I've done some crazy shit. Because when as a kid, as a way of, like, being likable and all those things, I played it really safe. My mom also did—she was very strict. Like, don't let— a lot of these experiences I got, I snuck and had because she was not playing. She was not about to, to have another. She was not about to be the mother of a teenage parent like she was. She was a teenage mom. And so she was just adamant about protecting us. And, you know, sadly, and we've talked about this, you know, she protected us from what she knew to protect us from. She had no idea and to know that, like, family could also be a culprit. Um, so before all of this, anyway, before becoming a wife and a mom, I think that people perceive me as very, I guess, good and safe and maybe not a lot of fun. Um, people are always surprised to know that I, some people are always surprised to know that I, I've, I've, I drink. Um, and then sometimes I drink to get drunk. I'm a fun drunk, you know, I'm also fun sober, but I don't know I think that people perceived me as like not being very well like cultured and and just really smart So I was always perceived as smart like this bookworm that we knew she was going to college you knew she would like not be where she is now <laughs> but, but I, I don't think that I was really perceived as like a whole person honestly at least that's how I feel until I got married and until I had Drew um, I think me, I think maybe people see me as more real now, a little bit more refreshing. I remember a friend told me that when I finally confessed to them, confessed to them all the mess that me and Mikey had been going through back in college and in high school, she was like, "This is so refreshing." And I think that people are starting to find me more refreshing, which is nice because shit, I'm starting to refresh my damn self. And <laughs> okay, question number three: Have you ever felt annoyed by Patreon? supporter or even just a regular listener like dang they commenting again Ashley Williams I know this is you y'all Ashley I love you she is my sister in anxiety which is not a good thing (laughs) she's a fellow Leo fellow Patreon supporter and she's always wondering if she's irritating me and we should be past this now I know this also this question was also for Mikey but listen me personally and I will speak for Mike on this. This is not bother us. It does not bother us to get a comment or anything from anybody. Why? Because y'all, we literally started this podcast like, what the fuck are we doing? Like we we was like this is so stupid. And then we started Patreon. We just knew. We just knew we were starting too early. We knew that we didn't like nobody would be like invested. We just knew. We just knew and obviously we were dead wrong. And and that makes us really happy. And honestly, when I see comments from Patreon supporters on Patreon or in comments on Instagram, it makes me brave. Because, y'all, we've been followers of the Henry family for years, or years when i tell you i've never said a word to them until we started our podcast and i even just for like hey look at us like i've never said a word to them because i was so afraid mikey never said a word to them we like things we like send money when they do things like send five dollars here and there when they were like when he did his trip to the pod thing a few years ago i can't remember what it was called anyway like we were like silent engaged people I never commented. I was always so afraid that I would comment something stupid. You know, and I know how marriage couples talk. You get talked about. I was like, nope, ain't about to do it. But seeing comments really has made me brave, y'all, because I'm like, okay, what if I reach out to this person? (laughs) What if I left a comment of somebody I like on their page and engage with them and they turn out to be completely normal and, you know, nice. And also, y'all, as a creator now and that that engages with people in our Literally, our livelihood is invested in like, it's like, our livelihood depends on if we're relatable, if we're likable. Are people listening? Or do people find us authentic? We only know that if y'all say things to us. And what was I saying? We only know that if y'all say things to us. And it also showed me that I, and it's also something that we enjoy. And it, and it got me thinking that like maybe, other people creating content want to hear from the people they're creating content for like maybe it's cool you send money and you don't ever say a word but i would like to know that people people you're not just on here sending money like oh you're not just this, this this blank face sending money or just tuning in like you know you have thoughts and feelings <laughs> you're a person you know so no i don't ever get annoyed by a patreon supporter especially not a patreon supporter because i'm like y'all are investing your real live money and we talk to a lot of y'all and a lot of y'all out here struggling like us in a sense and so you make a conscious decision to to give and that is just so powerful and impactful and we love y'all we really do and so y'all can say whatever the fuck y'all want to say (laughs) that's how we feel (laughs) y'all can say whatever y'all want we defer to you because you are literally feeding us and and showing that you care for this content in the way that you can so no you are not I'm never annoyed by anybody on patreon and, I'm, and I have yet to be annoyed by a regular listener or a public listener who can't give yet and that's okay yeah no keep commenting and we will always try to get to like to the comment and respond because I believe in that too I hate to leave somebody's comment just out there I'm at least like it or something but okay and the last question is what do you use to retwist your hair? This is from Kima. Uh, I use Queen Helene's Super Hold Gel. It's pink. And it is the only thing. That is the only thing. Y'all, I've been through. I've had my locks for nine years. I've cut them. I've dyed them. You know, I've cut them again. I've been through a lot of locking gels. I've been through a lot of hair care regimen. And Queen Helene is the only gel that has never left residue, that literally still holds, and... Yeah, I just love it. I've been, I have used to Leah stuff. Uh, I liked her stuff, but in the beginning, nine years ago, her, her, the main ingredient was water. And that shit used to evaporate. And I didn't used to retwist my hair that much. And so if you only retwist your hair every two weeks, by the time you open a container again, half of it's gone. And so <laughs> that used to piss me off because that shit is expensive. And I was a broke college student. And so I stopped using that. I used this beeswax shit and I I couldn't do that. I can't even what it was called, but it's a common brand. But the first ingredient is beeswax. And I realized that stuff does not do well in my hair. I mean, that does not do well in my hair. I do not have. Now, that type of stuff do can do well in Mikey's hair. His curl is way tighter than mine, but it, I, I can't do it. Um I've used the Eco Styler Gel, which is trash. Can't do that. I also used to make my own flaxseed gel. And that was the best hold I've ever had in my life. I love that gel. The problem is it takes forever to make one and then it takes you have to use it within like a week or two because it takes so much to preserve it like i don't even like you have to do so much to preserve it and so it's just not worth it it was taking more work than it was worth but it was the best hold i've ever had in my life and it was just a great and what else have i used jamaican lime hairline i really want to like that line i really do There's no one else in the world who wants to like that line more than me, but I cannot, I can't do the shampoo. I can't do any of the lock and twist gels, none of them. And my mother-in-law swears by it and Mikey loves their stuff too. I can't, I can't, can't do it. And yeah. And so after all of that, it brought me right back to Queen Helene. And I used to follow YouTubers on YouTube who did, who had locks because no one else in my family had locks and I had to learn how to do my hair. And one of the people who started her log journey, T-Bay82, uses Queen Helene. And I followed her journey. And so I was like, let me just get this shit. And it works. And I ordered a big container off Amazon. It's $21, y'all. It lasts forever. Love it. It's the only thing I use. And finally, thank you for those questions, y'all. It's always fun doing Q&A. But then finally, I'll leave you with this. So y'all, I actually recently just finished this book called the path made clear it's by oprah um but technically it's really not she actually compiled a whole bunch of quotes and things from famous people people who have made it in quotes people who have lived life and come out on the other side who are feeding their families and are not living in their mother-in-law's basement and (laughs) and um She compiled this list and I actually ended up Googling like, I don't even know what I Googled y'all. I Googled like how to stay motivated or inspired or how to something, something, I really needed some help. And this book popped up on a list and I actually love Oprah Winfrey's book club list. Some of those books are trash, but I actually trust her judgment. And so I got this book from the library and I read it. And one of the quotes that stood out to me was by Elizabeth Gilbert. And she is the author of Eat, Pray, Love. I haven't read the book, but I plan to. I've only ever seen the movie, and it is one of my all time favorite movies for Julia Roberts, who was an amazing actress. But anyway, the quote says This was my victory and my battle. All my demons, all my monsters that I had been carrying around forever, the light came through, and I realized oh, they're not demons, they're not monsters, they're not dragons. I've been making them more grandiose than they are. They're just the orphaned parts of me. They're just the fearfullest, most terrified parts of me. They are scared to death. And they are throwing temper tantrums because of their fear. And now I have to tell them that it's going to be okay. And they will all go to sleep. I am the mother of all these parts of me. At one point, I remember in my mind ascending above them all and saying, I love you, fear. And now you go to sleep. I love you, Anger. You're part of me. Go to sleep. It's fine. I'm in charge now. I love you, shame. Even you. Come into my heart. Go to sleep. You're safe. I love you. I'm not leaving you. You're part of me. You're part of the family. You're never going to be away from me. I love you, failure. Come into my heart. Rest. You're so tired. You're so scared. You're just children. You don't know how the world works. I love all of you. I have space for all of you, and together we're just going to go forward now. And so that was her quote. It just it just uh as I'm sitting here, you know, working on through my grief about the relationships that I've had, the relationships that are different now, my own fear and my own shame and worry and my own failure cuz I have failed, um, <laughs> y'all, in a lot of ways. And it just really spoke to me because we spend so much time, at least I know, I spend a lot of time trying to get out of things, trying to get away. You know, I got to get out of this basement. I got to get out of this this money rut. I got to get out, you know, instead of just, you know, sitting in it. And I remember I journaled the other night and I said, God, I can't believe I have to experience this. Not just like an I'm entitled type thing, but like I can't believe that you are making me sit here. And experience this like I got to sit here and it just uh, to me it spoke to me and I I think it will speak to other people who listen about just really sitting with all the parts about ourselves we don't like and bringing them in because even when we make it out of this basement y'all I'm still gonna be scared I'm still gonna be worried there's gonna be something else I fell at and so there's no reason in like running from these things that are a part of being human you know it's proof that we are alive And so I have to, like, I have to, like, nurture them, you know, and and like, and then also, like, take control and not and not be dictated by them. So, yeah, that was from Elizabeth Gilbert and Oprah Winfrey's The Path Made Clear. And I'll put that in the show notes. All right, y'all, thank you for rocking with me with this episode. It has been very therapeutic for me, especially because I have not seen my therapist in a few months. Because money and insurance and things, but it's going to be okay. <laughs> so thank you. I actually really needed this episode. Uh, so my closing call to action is submit questions or feedback for the next solo episode. Y'all email us at blackmillmare at gmail.com. Again, that's B-L-A-C-K-M-I-L-M-A-R at gmail.com or leave a voice message at 770-750-4098. And that could be featured on a future indie episode. And if you don't want us to actually feature your voice. We just, we'll just ask your question. Be sure to check out our website, y'all, blackmillennialmarriage.com. And if you would love to join our Patreon family and see what's going on over there, that is patreon.com slash blackmillennialmarriage. Again, that's patreon.com slash blackmillennialmarriage. We have fun over there. We really enjoy everybody over there. And we just broke 50 people. Thank you, Nikki G, for being our 50th person. Thank you. Follow us on social media platforms on Instagram, Mikey's Instagram is Mikey underscore S-X-X-I That's M-I-K-E-Y Underscore X-X-I Or mine, which is Randy Which is r a n d i i I'll put it in the show notes, don't worry On Twitter we are at underscore the Chapmans Alright y'all, as always Be blessed, don't settle Fight clean Peace About time that I get back yo, get back We can hold it down
0: You're in a promised land. Watch it, I
1: promise man. Escape
0: your every day with out-of-this-world action. From the gritty apocalypse of the Walking Dead universe to the cyberpunk realm of The Watch and the criminal underbelly of Gangs of London, AMC Plus is more than entertaining. It's epic. Feel all the chills and thrills with Shudder's Halfway to Halloween Month. Experience Shudder's biggest month of horror featuring a new season of Creepshow and new movie premieres every week. All available ad-free and on demand. Start your free trial today at amcplus.com. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership,